You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, uh, coming at you live on October, Friday, October 7th, with your weekly roundup from this past week. So, very excited to dive right in to some uh, some news and, and random stuff that's going down this week. And then we're going to read the gospel for Sunday's reading there at the end of today's episode. And so, like I said, you know, last week, if you listen to the first weekly roundup I ever did last week, um, the goal is to keep these like fairly punchy. And so I'm going to actually try to do that. We'll see how well that goes. But uh, <laughs> we're going to start. I have a bunch of stuff to share. First, when I was kind of looking at this today, I was kind of like, you know, man, I don't really feel like I have good stuff to share and like really much happened this week. And I think it's because you know, my mom's been in town until so, like I haven't been watching Ben Shapiro and the Rubin Report and Matt Walsh and um, scrolling and stuff as much. And so um, I felt like I was limited, but just a few quick searches on some things uh, really cleared that right up for me. So, um, so yeah, so that's pretty fun. Now we are going to look here first, just a little update on Hurricane Ian. If you did not know this, because I did not know this before Googling it this morning, but the death toll has risen in uh, Hurricane Ian. So we've now got, if you're if you're watching, I am going to attempt to upload this to YouTube. I know I've said probably 50 times in the last year, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see, and, and then I never upload the videos to YouTube. So that's pretty lame. So I'm going to actually try to do this, but in theory, Riverside should be sharing my screen right now. Um, but you can see here, we've got 109 people have been reported killed by the hurricane in the U.S. So 105 deaths in Florida, and then you got another four deaths in um, North Carolina. And so super sad. Definitely pray for the families. Pray for those who have passed away in all of this. Um, it's just been crazy. And obviously 208,000 power outages in Lee County alone. And then you got another 75,000 power outages in Charlotte County um, and then outages also in, in plenty of other counties as well. And so, um, 400,000 people in, in Florida were without power. It says actually, dang, so pretty nuts. So that's pretty crazy. You can see here some pictures and stuff, just lots of wreckage. And I think for those of us who don't live in hurricane zones, you know, I did 
I remember being pretty impacted. I can't remember the name of the hurricane in, it was like September of 2018. I can't remember the name of it, but it was pretty nuts in North Carolina. We got like a week off of work um, from uh, when I was at Fort Bragg in the army. And so, yeah, super sad to see this. But for those of us who are far away from hurricanes and things like that, you don't really think about how damaging this is. You see this a lot when there's like fires and stuff like that. But this is, um, yeah, obviously just super tough. And so, um, yeah, prayers for those who have, you know, experienced this and are, are kind of going through this. Um, it's a tragic, tragic thing to witness. So um, jumping right ahead here. This is something that, you know, I don't, I don't know if, how many of you know this. But my father-in-law works in oil and gas. I've often considered having him on the podcast. There's a couple of podcasts that he's been in on this uh, other one called the Power Hungry Podcast. And um, he just recently did one that I still need to listen to, but I will also link that in today's episode because it's really powerful stuff. And this is what this here article kind of hits on. So this is from the Daily Wire. Title of the article is Energy Crisis Threatens European Countries Ahead of Winter. Now, if you want to hear some doomsday stuff, you should really listen to that Power Hungry podcast with um, John Harpole and um, Robert Bryce. Really powerful stuff. Just hearing about what's ahead for people in Europe. I mean, it's extremely scary. And this is the kind of stuff, this kind of like um, dark side, if you will, of uh, environmentalism often goes underreported and unknown, right? Undercovered. And so you can see here, um, it says... Uh, Europe is heading toward an energy crisis, and some economists are even predicting the continent will experience a serious recession. And so people are predicting a recession here in the United States, but they're really expecting stagflation in Europe um, and just incredible vulnerability for uh, this upcoming winter. So this guy is a former Obama advisor, um, Larry Summers, who said that um, he believes there's going to be stagflation in Europe um, and that it's getting very serious over there. And so it says... Germany is trying to finalize liquefied natural gas contracts with Middle Eastern producers, but Germany's gas storages are currently around 90%. But its economy minister said Monday that it will probably be empty after winter. Like, I, I mean, my, my father-in-law has said that he, he really predicts that uh, like a quarter of Europe's not going to be able to afford their energy bills, um, which is just insane. And, and you see this with these like, super environmentalists that hate um, natural gas and they hate oil. And um, despite how, despite how clean so much of natural gas is, it's really insane. But we, we often don't understand or learn enough about to understand, or, or we don't learn enough about how um, some of this woke environmentalism really impacts the poor in Europe, in the United States, and also around the world. You know, he's got some crazy stats. We were just talking about like solar energy the other day. And he was talking about how the vast majority of the crystals that are made, that solar panels are made of, are made in the Uyghur work camps in China. The Uyghur Muslims who are like, I mean, it's just absolute slave labor. They're, they're literally living in concentration camps and being castrated and sterilized and uh, horribly mistreated um, as literal slaves. And yet you see here, like, we just continue to promote... Um, we continue to promote these things, solar panels. And then he said that we, they don't know what to do with solar panels. You either have to like destroy them. And it costs like four times as much to destroy them after their use cycle than it does to bury them. And because of extreme poverty in a lot of African countries, they've offered to let uh, Western countries bury their 
um, solar panels in the ground in Africa and they emit lead. There's like certain amount of lead from each panel that gets emitted. And it's like, we're going to find out in 20 years if that's like killing people in Africa and nobody cares. Everybody's like, Oh, save the planet, save plastic, save us from natural gas and uh, use solar instead. Pretty whack. So be weary of that. Really do your research when you're looking into some of this stuff and when you're thinking about um, solar. I know somebody just approached me the other day in um, uh, Home Depot about solar. And you just have to be careful about it and learn about that kind of stuff. Usually if it's woke, it's trash. So that's a simple kind of guideline to go by. But you obviously don't want to be shut off to everything either. So you have to keep an open mind. Now, this is a fun one. CDC overreported COVID-19 deaths by more than 70,000. So this is another, um, sorry, I jumped ahead there. This is another uh, Daily Wire article here. It says that the Centers for Disease and Control updated its COVID-19 death statistics last week, revealing that the agency had included an additional 72,277 deaths that should not have been counted as COVID-19 deaths. This change impacts 26 states in all age groups. And the CDC blamed it on a coding logic error. So that's just a fun one. So we had about a total of 969,000 deaths from COVID-19. The extra deaths compose about 7.5% of that number. 416 extra pediatric COVID-19 deaths also represent a significant revision from the original data. Oh, so let's go ahead down here. So this is a quote. The huge change in pediatric death count drops the estimate of COVID deaths in children down to 1341, so 1,341 nationwide. Children were about 19% of all COVID cases, but only about a quarter of a percent of those cases were fatal. Let's say that again. Children were about 19% of all COVID cases, but only about a quarter of a percent. A quarter of a percent, so 0.25% of those cases were fatal. So that's what, a 99.75% uh, survival rate, if you got it. And yeah, so that's pretty interesting uh, stuff there. And so obviously we continue to mask kids. And there's probably still places across the country that are still masking kids, which is pretty wild. Following up with that, this one's actually from a couple weeks ago. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I shared this. This one's from the Florida Standard. Um, from September 14th, it says the vaccine narrative collapses as Harvard study shows the jab was more dangerous than COVID. And so I just want to scroll down. So I'm going to link all this stuff in here. Um, but this is a study that was done by um, some pretty big, pretty progressive uh, liberal universities, um, being that those being Harvard and Johns Hopkins. So obviously, you know, um, Lord Fauci, um, Mr. Anthony Fauci had big things to say about the vaccine and getting all your boosters. Um, but according to this article here, it says government officials and mainstream media urges the vaccinated to inject a second so-called bivalent booster said to be targeting the Omicron variant. It turns out that this substance hasn't been tested on humans. And the only animal trial that has been performed included eight mice. I've killed 10 mice in my garage, so I, I could have offered them a few more mice to try that on. Um, it hasn't been proven in a clinical trial because we, this is a quote from Anthony Fauci. It hasn't been proven in a clinical trial because we don't have time to do a clinical trial because we need to get the vaccine out now because we have such a situation throughout the world and certainly in the United States. We're having 400 deaths per day and up to 5,000 hospitalizations per day, said Sir Fauci. So now scrolling down here, you can see study worse says that the, it's worse than the virus. So 
This is a study, again, conducted by scientists from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. That's from the article. And you can click, there's a link in the study as well. So click into that article, click on the link in where it says a new study. I've, I've read some of it um, a few weeks ago, but this is a quote from the abstract of that study from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Quote, using CDC and sponsored reported data, adverse event data, we find that booster mandates may cause a net is expected harm per COVID-19 hospitalization prevented in previously uninfected young adults we anticipate 18 to 98 serious adverse events, including 1.7 to 3.0 booster-associated myocarditis cases in males and 1,373 to 3,234 cases of grade 3 reactogenicity, which interferes with daily activities. So, yeah. Um... The CDC, so according to the Epic Times, the CDC has provided false information regarding their tracking of adverse events caused by the vaccine. This, I mean, I remember when I posted this on Instagram and I had some little homie uh, respond to me and said, this doesn't mean the vaccines aren't safe. It just means they're not as safe as, or this doesn't mean the boosters aren't safe. It just means that they're less safe than getting COVID. And it's like, so what's, the, but what's the point then? <laughs> I remember he was like, this doesn't mean that they're dangerous. It just means that they're less dangerous than COVID or they're more dangerous than COVID. And it's like, okay, you know, that's kind of like saying like, you know, because I'm saying that you are somebody else is smarter than you, that doesn't necessarily make you dumb, but it's also kind of like, but what's the point then? You know, like I could see you saying, oh, well, this is still like very, very rare that you're going to have any issues with any of this stuff. And it's like, okay, get that. But then if, if, if COVID is safer, then why not just run the risk? And this is kind of the thing with all of these things. It's like you can still pass it along to those who are most at risk. It's more dangerous for you as a young person to get this booster than to not. So, so, what, so why, even, why even roll the dice on this stuff that hasn't been tested? And I saw another article came out this week, too, where it was talking about um, women's menstrual cycles that were just super jacked up by the the booster and the vaccine themselves, which is pretty, uh, pretty crazy, pretty not, pretty not good. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know, man, do what you will, but, um, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a big no for me, dog. Okay. So other things this week. So I, I, I want to try to provide you with some resources and other things to like watch and, uh, do this week as well. Um, or like, you know, check out, you know, some podcasts and videos and things like that, that I really enjoyed. Um, and I really loved, uh, Pines of Aquinas this week had on George Farmer. I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I think it was five hours, which is just ridiculous. I don't know why he, I don't know who, I don't know who in the world, who are you people who told these podcasters, dude, go for four hours plus, please. Like, sit with me throughout my, you know, the majority of my workday. I don't know who you are, but I don't like you. And I, you just have to wonder. This video has 52,000 views. It's like, what percentage of watching that counts as a view? I think I saw an hour of it. But what's cool about it, George Farmer, if you don't know, is Candace Owens' husband, who's from the UK, who's also the CEO of Parlor, who also is a convert to Catholicism. So, obviously, lots of fun stuff in there. I'm excited. I can see he has one up already. Um, 
of like you know how I'll do like the cut up and like the clips of the video. Um, I, I'm all about that because who the fudge wants to go through five hours to find the interesting parts of this interview? There's no way they had five hours of just like riveting conversation. Now, in other news, this is something <laughs> this is something I didn't plan on talking about, but I find extraordinarily interesting. Scrolling down, I saw that he had had Amber Rose, who's the religious hippie on Instagram, um, who I follow and, and, and really enjoy her content. Um, one thing I want to talk about, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm curious your thoughts. And so hit me up uh, with, with your reflections on this. But I heard Matt Walsh talk about this once. Well, let me give the context. Sometimes I think you can see what I see, but I stopped sharing my screen. And so there's two videos from the clips of his interview with Amber Rose who from my understanding, I know, I, I feel like I know for a fact from Instagram that she's not married. I don't know if she's dating anyone. But you got two clips from her interview here. I didn't watch the full thing. I watched probably 45 minutes of it. The top video is Submit to Your Husbands with Amber Rose. The second video is Dating Advice for Catholics and Christians with Amber Rose. Now, the thing that I feel like is uh, interesting about this. Matt Walsh recently talked about this, about not taking dating advice from people who aren't married. And I think that the difficult part with that, right, is that once you're married, you're like out of the dating game. But I do see like this increase, and I feel like it's it's almost exclusively amongst uh, single women, or at least not unmarried women, um, I mean, exclusively being, not exclusively, but like 95% it's women. And then you occasionally have guys talk about it. And it's one thing to like talk about and lament and, and kind of say what to avoid in dating. But I think Matt Walsh's point that I kind of agree with is that those who are married have succeeded in dating. And so like, if you how like you're giving advice, it's kind of like the whole concept of like, you don't take financial, like I wouldn't want a financial planner who's like, broke, right? <laughs> like not investing or not having any success in investing. I wouldn't want a physical trainer who's like uh, overweight and out of shape. It just like doesn't make a ton of sense. But the internet has kind of opened up this place where you do have a lot of people who are really out of shape, not just like having a, a fitness account and like talking about their journey, but like truly coaching people and not just, not people, it's one thing if you're out of shape and you've lost, you were 500 pounds, now you're down to 300 pounds into the outside world, you look like you're still out of shape, but you have a lot of advice and insight to offer. And some people obviously have been overweight and then they got into shape and then maybe they gained weight because of an injury or something else. Now they're getting back into shape. And so we might not always see that. So that's why you got to be careful about when you judge. But there's undoubtedly <laughs> a large group of people out there who have never lost weight or ever been in shape that start fitness accounts and are like giving people fitness advice. And it's like, for, for what though, you know? And so it's, it's such a dangerous game and that's why you have to be careful not to judge people like that. But then there's like the objective ones where it's like, okay, how do we kind of balance this? How are we talking about submitting to your husband when you don't have one? What advice do you have to offer? I mean, there's stuff from books and things, I guess that you could reiterate, but like you wouldn't have a single woman come into a you wouldn't have a single woman come into a conference for married women 
and give a talk on marriage. So why we get into this like super deep discussions, debates on marriage as unmarried people, I don't really understand. That was part of like when we did the Holy Happy Hours and we had the panels, like I really wanted to have people in different stages of life, right? So it was like a single person, a dating person, uh, engaged person, and a married person. And we did that kind of with the the women's panel, I remember, um, and the men's panel, actually, except we had a priest, I think an engaged man of dating, and a single man. Um, but it's like that, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have like a super hot take on it. It was just kind of funny that I saw these as the next two videos and that those were the two that he drew out of that interview. Dating advice with Amber Rose and submit to your husband with a single woman. I don't get it. So what are your thoughts? Do you think that um, should single people be giving dating advice or marriage advice? I think you can, my, my initial thought is that if you're single, you can give advice on avoiding the pitfalls and telling people to stay off, you know, certain dating apps that might just be bad and, ha- you know, be a bad place to go. Um, but there is, there is at least something to the idea that if you have not crossed the finish line, if you have not achieved the goal, then giving advice on the goal is, uh, is somewhat sus at a minimum. All right. So moving on, we have, uh, what I thought (laughs) this was probably my favorite story of the week because as my lovely wife can attest, I was, I called this, I called this big time. So if you don't know, bros came out last weekend. If you're like Nathan, what's bros? Because you, are a normal person that didn't hear about this movie. Um, Good for you, but I'm about to tell you. So Billy Eichner, who is (laughs) Billy. (laughs) This is so good. (laughs) Billy Eichner, who is most famous for being like the 13th most popular and number one, most annoying character on parks and rec. That's who Billy Eichner is. I don't even remember the character's name. I just remember him from the show, and he was occasionally mildly funny. But um, but that uh, uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong for saying that's what he's most known for. That's what he's most known for for me and everybody who I know. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I guess I don't represent the population, or perhaps maybe I do, as you're about to find out. So Billy Eichner uh, released and, and talked about at the. I don't know, some stupid ass Hollywood award show where they um, applaud themselves for making movies and living lives and doing things that none of us support, condone, or enjoy at this point. At some one of those award shows, uh, he went off about how they were making this historic new film, and it was going to be the first ever gay rom-com. And unlike other gay movies, that appropriate gay culture by having straight actors play gay men or women. This one was going to be authentic and they were going to have gay people play gay people in a gay movie and everybody was going to love it. And we were going to show those mean conservatives who don't want LGBT stuff jammed down their throat 56 times a day. They were going to show us who's boss and what the world now wanted from this and needless to say my lovely friends 
things did not go as planned. So as you can see here, this is Variety. I don't know what Variety is. It's some news outlet. I just I just Googled bros to find a good article on this. <laughs> Variety says, there's my dog walking around for no reason. She just jumped up scared of her dream or shadow or I don't even know what my excitement. Back to Variety. It says, Billy Eichner's Universal backed. So this was a Universal film. Bros flopped at the box office during its opening weekend with a $4.8 million bow. About half of the $8 to $10 million that the studio projected. Now understand the $8 to $10 million is pretty low. So they were looking at it being like half what other like pretty successful, not crazy successful, but like decently successful movies. They, they, <laughs> Universal estimated and projected the numbers to be half what other decent movies do. And it got half of that, which is pretty incredible. Eichner, in a viral tweet, basically blamed straight people and uh, homophobia for people not coming up to see the movie. So he said that straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros. And that's disappointing. And so, um, yeah, so he, he said that some straight, uh, Eichner said that some straight moviegoers weren't interested in the material, while homophobia about two men falling in love also likely figured in. Um, yeah. I don't understand. So, uh, how you blame homophobia? It, it, I think this is really interesting because this article goes to talk about why it failed, and it's, it says the star power just wasn't there. And this is something that I'm talking about. So leading stars Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane, it, it's like the, 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 the author of this article is like, who the hell are these people? Another movie, a, a horror film um, called Smile, grossed $22 million in its o- opening weekend this past weekend. Bullet Train opened at $30 million with Brad Pitt starring in that. And Viola Davis's movie The Woman King got off to a $19 million start. Which people were all talking up in arms about that. About this is a female black a black female lead in a movie, and you have to go see it and support it. And people apparently did nineteen million dollars. Dude, Bros brought in four point eight million dollars. <laughs> That's like a quarter of what it costs to make the movie, from my understanding. It's wild. So then it said the the marketing prioritized the film's importance over the film's comedy. And that's the issue with woke things. They're not funny. Progressives aren't funny. This is like the constant, this goes back years when we talked about the left can't meme. Woke things are just simply not funny. And then the author, uh, the writer also blames October as a non-starter for rom-coms, which could be fair. Um, Consumers were distracted by strong streaming releases at the same time. And then it said that the producer, Judd Apatow, who produced some pretty gangster movies back in the day, (laughs) like Anchorman and... um, one other really funny one, I forget which one. And then he did some other like raunchy stuff like um uh 40 year old virgin, I think, like Zach and Mary make a porno or something like that. If you remember those uh comedies, if you will, from back in the day. I say back in the day, it was like a decade ago. Uh, but pretty, pretty interesting stuff here. So I thought that was really funny because I called it and they were pushing that, and I remember them talking about it, and I was just like, yo, this like isn't gonna hit though. You know what I mean? And one thing I think that Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh really hit on this week when talking about it, because I did listen to them talk about this because I was like so excited for it, was, and I think Matt Walsh talked about this, he's like, think about who rom-coms typically target. It's women, heterosexual women mainly. And 
here you make one and, and, and men are often turned off by rom-coms, right? Like, I mean, I very, very rarely will enjoy a, a rom-com, a romantic comedy. But it's like heterosexual women like to like picture themselves and get like wrapped up emotionally in the story. So that immediately is out the window for a rom-com about two men. The trailer, if you haven't seen it, I don't recommend watching it, was extremely raunchy and talked about thruples, uh, you know, a, a, a three-person couple and orgies. And, and even in the reviews, it talked about how accurately it portrayed gay hookup culture. Well, what we're learning is perhaps most Americans and maybe even people around the world aren't super into funny, probably actually not funny movies about gay hookup culture. And that's not just homophobia. We actually are into that about hookup culture, about really anything. But alas, homophobia is to blame. Um, Not poor marketing and a stupid movie. But that's a big old L for Billy Eichner. Uh, rest in peace to his career as a movie lead, presumably. Um, and God willing, rest in peace to gay rom-coms. With that being said, let's make a quick transition into this Sunday's, <laughs> this Sunday's gospel reading. Um, I didn't really have a good bridge for that there. I don't know how you go from, from bros to uh, the gospel, so we're just going to do it. You know, they don't they don't write a script for these things. They don't they don't teach you that in podcast university, which I did not attend. So we're just gonna go um straight into it. And so this Sunday's gospel is um a banger and it talks about gratitude and it talks about um us being grateful to what God has done in our lives. And that's something that I think we should reflect on as we go into this weekend. You know, we're, we're filled with so many blessings. We have it so good here. And, and, and thinking about the bros outrage really is a, is a great example. And that is a great segue into this because we live in a society where so many of us are ungrateful for living in one of the wealthiest times, one of the most comfortable times we've ever had in human history, actually that we have ever had. And Father Mike's podcast from last Sunday, if you listen to his homily, it, the title was Comfort Breeds Complacency. And that's so true. Or maybe it was two Sundays ago. But it was, it's so powerful, you know, comfort breeds complacency. It's what brings about this lukewarmness in our faith, in our passion, in our gratitude, because we're just so comfortable that we don't have things to get upset about. And so we get upset about things like bros uh, not doing well and blaming hatred in other people for people just not liking the art we created. Right. And so. Let's take a second here and dive into this gospel. This is a reading from the gospel according to Luke. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing he had been healed, returned, glorifying God in a loud voice, and he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. 
Now, we all know that you could do the same thing for, for 10 people, and, and the reaction, the response is going to be different. In, in a similar way, we know that, that God can give the same opportunity to 10 people, and the, what they do with that opportunity is going to be different. In a similar vein, God can give the same or a similar cross and suffering to 10 people, and their reaction, their response to it, what they do with it, is going to be 10 different things. Let's strive today, this weekend, and always to be that one that returns back to give thanks, to lead with gratitude in our lives and our speaking. When you find somebody, when you meet somebody, they ask how you're doing. Don't just say some stupid shit like, oh, I've been so busy, or life's been so hard, or work's been so difficult. Lead with gratitude. Lead with gratitude. Talk about the things you're thankful for. Talk about the things that are going well. It's great to open up. It's great to vent. It's great to share those things with people. But in these small moments, share the things you're grateful for. Be grateful to be speaking with that person. Be grateful for the opportunity to go to mass without persecution. Be grateful for the opportunity to wake up in a house that has heat and air conditioning and running water. Be grateful that you have probably a fridge and pantry stocked with food and money still to go out and buy, buy dinner if you want to, if you don't feel like cooking. And the ability to DoorDash and Uber Eats and all this stuff right to your house. Be grateful for all these things. It changes your whole trajectory of life. It gives you more patience, more joy, more peace when you focus on what you should be grateful for. So we're going to choose gratitude this weekend. Meditate on that. Think about being that one leper that turned around to give thanks to God. When was the last time you turned around and went back to give thanks to God? Let's be people of gratitude. All right, my friends. Thanks for joining today. I hope you enjoyed (laughs) this week's weekly roundup. Um, And whatever you do this weekend, don't go see bros. All right. God bless. Continue to fight hard and be your best.